Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications. And we also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. And for this episode, we are thrilled to welcome Stefan Falk. Welcome, Stefan. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. We are absolutely excited about today's conversation. We are, and in fact, before we get into today's conversation, we would love it if you would tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit more about you. Okay, thank you. So um, let's start with what I'm doing currently. So uh, I work as an executive performance coach. And um, uh, what I say that I do is that I help people to achieve what they didn't think they were capable of achieving. Okay, that's that's basically it. And I think that Looking back, my journey started with this probably mid 90s. I was then back, uh, I was then working at McKinsey Company and I was tasked with, um, with the question or the problem, why is it so hard to help clients to build a sort of a healthy organization and, and an organization that is able to embrace change and develop continuously and adapt or whatever it is? And um, I was fortunate in, in a very rare moment of brilliance uh, in my life to, fi- to uh, basically uh, conclude that maybe I need to know a thing or two about neuroscience and about behavioral science and that because organizations basically consist of people. So I spent quite a lot of time in the mid-90s hanging out with neuroscientists and behavioral scientists and also met my mentor then, Mihai Cheeks and Mihai, if you know about the concept of flow. Um, and that's so. And, yeah. and one of the key things I learned uh, through that journey is the importance of personal and professional development, actually to push yourself beyond your comfort zone every day. And in an organizational perspective, <clears throat> you know, any goal you have as an organization is beyond where you currently are. If, if it's not, it's not a goal. So obviously we are where we are right now in the organization based on what we know how to do and how we do things. So if we want to be as another place, we actually need to learn how to do what we do today in different ways, as well as learn new things. So from an organizational perspective, it's super important that everybody is pushed beyond their limits every single day. Now, it also happens, which I also discovered over the years, how beneficial it is for your own personal health and for your psychological strengths and all these things, because the only way to achieve great health and great mental health is to learn to deal with pressure. Okay. So, so that's, and, and after I left McKinsey, I was an executive and I did four different turnarounds and basically made that into a big people project, basically saying that the most important thing here is that we all push ourselves beyond our limits every day. If we do that, the sky is the limit. And that's actually what happened. So, and then, you know, after I think those four positions, I asked myself, what do I want to do? And I just had discovered that my biggest reward is to help people succeed with things they didn't think we were Mm. capable of. So that's a little bit who I am. 
Oh, and that I'm so excited that you are the person here to talk to us about our topic today. I mean, that's such a rich professional background. It's the sort of thing all of us aspire to have. And I think it's actually a nice segue into our topic of the day, which is intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. And I'd actually love to pause there and ask you to tell us a little bit about what intrinsic motivation means, because I think a lot of us have probably heard that term before. I wonder how many of us have really paused to consider what that really means and what that can mean to us. Mm. So, so intrinsic motivation is um, when the reward of engaging in the activity is the experience you get while engaging in the activity and also what you feel after it. That's the, so it's wow. the reward is engaging in the activity. Mm. And, and the good thing, you know, if you talk about development and learning, that is exactly what we experience when we learn and develop. And that is what happens when it pushes us beyond our limits. Okay. So that, that's the beauty of it. The problem is that um, too few people actually understand this. Okay, if, if, right. you, if you look at it from an evolutionary standpoint, you can ask yourself, because in this moment of intrinsic motivation, our brain is also operating at its best. And that's explained by there's a, there's a number of chemicals released in the brain when we are in these moments of pushing ourselves beyond our limits. So the brain basically works at its best. Why is that, that we have a brain that operates at best under pressure? Well, that's for evolutionary reasons, because if we look at it up until maybe 12,000 years ago, before uh, modern agriculture was in introduced, and we could sort of build a surplus of food, and we b became settlers and so forth, we lived in an environment that was extremely demanding. Every day was fight for survival, you know, to get food, to find shelter and to be safe. So obviously, if we didn't have a brain that operated at its best in that environment to survive, we would not be here. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Now, this, because I love that you mentioned too, that it's the, the experience is the reward. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So how as talent development professionals, do we do we create this in our professional development offerings, whether we're creating the curriculum or doing the training? What are some ways that we can, we can create this for others? I think, you know, if, if we really want to, you know, break it down to its simplest guiding principle, it is to make the, the, the training or the development demanding. It has to be demanding for the people. So for instance, if you set up a training program, let's say it is okay. The, actually, this starts before the training program, because the only way a person will take on something demanding is if the person believes that something important is at stake. Mm. So that means that the preparation that the participant, participant makes before the training is completely decisive. And that that uh, that pre uh, preparation could be an, an numerous different things. It could be doing sort of a, rigor, uh, a rigorous knowledge test. It could be describing, you know, the person's own starting point in terms of the topic. Okay, what's working well, what is not working well. Something that sort of links the person, attach the person to the upcoming training. Okay. And then when it comes to the training, the training has to be super demanding. 
And when I've, when I've done trainings, I, I always work with sort of the time element, you know, that everything should do, be done with extreme speed. Okay. You need to complicate things for, for, for people. It's almost like, you know, you remember Daniel Kahneman said, if you really want someone to truly understand something, you need to make it difficult for them to understand it because you need to activate your brain. Okay. I find that most often professional trainings that I have seen, they are too light touch. Okay. There are too mm. little demand in, in, in them. Okay. So, uh, so, so time, you know, tempo is super important for training. And then also, uh, you know, what should the participants do? So for instance, when you give a lecture, participants should not ask questions. Participants should take notes. Okay. And, and what I always did is that I had my own notepads given to participants. And basically every page has two headlines, things that are useful for me to leverage and things I don't understand. Okay. And then after you give a lecture, you should have some kind of teamwork. And in that teamwork, then People should go through things they didn't understand and think they think were useful. And then you should attach some kind of team exercise to really penetrate what has been taught in this. You know, I, I think you've probably completely challenged the way so many of us think about and approach the trainings we develop and deliver. Mm -hmm. Because so often, I think there is a fear of going in too deeply to certain topics. Mm -hmm. The idea that it might be too much for somebody, the idea mm -hmm. that perhaps it won't be fun or they mm -hmm. won't feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying is forget about some of that. Focus on bringing a level of difficulty, focus mm -hmm. on bringing a challenge mm -hmm. that will actually get them interested and also change mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. you know, inspire them mm -hmm. to work harder. Mm -hmm. Very different, I think, than how a lot of us have been encouraged to design. And to be honest with you, what I really appreciate about what you're sharing is that it really elevates how we see our learners, mm -hmm. the people in front of mm -hmm. us. It allows us to think, you know, much more, you know, in a way, much more highly of them, mm -hmm. what they're capable of and what might motivate them to be in that room with us. Mm -hmm. No, I, and I, I, I to obviously I totally agree. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and the thing is that, you know, if you work with the time element, so everything should be yeah. under stress. It yeah. also forces you as a trainer to strive for excellence. So let's say you yes, have a does. flow of something. Let's say I'm, um, which I've done multiple times, you know, explain the basics of logical thinking for leaders. Okay. Which is one of the mm. top three, you know, skills you need to build as a leader. Yeah. Uh, and I say to myself, okay, um, I really need to, uh, to explain this in. 30 minutes okay and those 30 minutes needs to be spent on something that if you work diligently uh, you know to understand it you will be off to a really good start in applying logical mm -hmm. thinking that's a major challenge you know because you know 30 minutes is not a long time if you look at the material right. what is that maybe 10 exhibits or 10 slides or 15 slides or whatever it is okay it really pushes me to unpack that into the bare essentials. Okay. It's so easy for me to give a full day on it, but to give 30 minutes and give you enough. So you actually can start to work on it. That really pushes me. Okay. And mm -hmm. then yeah. after that 30 minutes, okay. I kick off a teamwork. 
And then, you know, the team has to work through and solve some problems using the methodology and then present back. And, yeah. and here's another thing that I always used in, in my trainings is that in order to create sort of a positive pressure on people, you introduce the element of competition. Mm. So let's say you have 25 people in a room, you divide them in teams, you know, maybe five teams or five in each. Okay. They do all the team exercises, but you as a faculty, you go around and observe them in terms of how well they are doing process wise. Are everybody involved in discussing this in a good way? Blah, blah, blah. Do we agree upon okay, what's going to be the way, way to solve the problem and also the quality of the outcome? And then you have said to them that only the, 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 even the, the, only the best or the two best teams are allowed to present. Then you introduce some competition to it. It, and, and people are basically competitive all the time yes and it's it's across the globe it's not only here in yeah. the US, this beautiful yeah. country it's across right. the globe it's human nature we mm. want to know how we are doing compared to others okay yeah so so there's there's so many i call them organic you know principles tied to the human condition you can use you know these stress elements you know the competition elements keep it short and snappy pushes you to be very clear about what you're doing yourself so you will grow you know extraordinary mm -hmm. as a trainer here yeah I love the idea of, so if for intrinsic motivation for ourselves, right? As the talent development professional and creating that for our folks, essentially it's creating those conditions for flow mm -hmm. to happen. And one of the, the things that I have run up against uh, before is you have a wide variety of experience mm -hmm. and ability in the mm -hmm. room. Yeah. So it, it's trying to, how do you find that balance for you? How do you find that balance between not overwhelming that person who's brand new, but making sure that it's challenging enough for that person who's got some experience in this area and that ability? Mm -hmm. it, it goes the, the way, the way I have always solved that problem and solve it. It, it sounds, you know, like I solve it, but it, to get at least my head around mm -hmm. what to avoid and what to pursue. Uh, it's more sort of a balanced way to say it, is that I, I always want to know certain things about the participants before we go into the room, okay? So it goes mm. back to the preparation part, okay? Uh, and very often, if I'm going to give a speech of some, uh, about something, uh, I, I do some kind of survey, you know, among the participants. So I know, you know, what's going to be sort of the... What is the dimensions that I can within I have to work in order to make this, you know, sufficiently challenging for people and sufficiently also confirming to what they already know their starting point. Yeah. And, and when you know about the participant, you, you will, f if you know your topic, it's going to be easy for you to know how to spin it. Mm. Yeah. I, and I appreciate that too. Um, and I, it, it kind of gets me thinking a little bit about how intrinsic motivation might play into some of those challenges or reservations that people may have about fully either preparing if you might be facilitating something or showing up to a training. So many people want to go to a training and simply check the box mm -hmm. that says, mm -hmm. I was here and, and that's all I came to, to say about my day to day. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how intrinsic motivation can help you perhaps to connect to things that might not be of interest. If, for example, if you are a facilitator, 
you're standing in front of a room full of people or perhaps a virtual room full of people who perhaps don't feel that connection to the content. What are some of the strategies you might use in order to be able to, to help them to tap into their intrinsic motivation, build that connection and perhaps that desire to be there, participate more fully? Well, I think, I think my general principle, uh, you know, mm. whatever I talk about, is yeah. to uh, first of all, you know, be 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 very, you know, honest and have integrity. But you know, give yeah. them some, you know, blow blow their mind with some amazing facts about the topic. So, for in, I give Ooh. you an example. <laughs> I give you an example. So, um, I go back to the example I had about you know teaching people uh, logical thinking or logical problem solving. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, and. The, the thing is that if any type of problem you're facing, there are basically five questions you can ask yourself. Uh, you know, what is the problem? Um, preferably described uh, like a question, you know, how do I get from A to B? Okay. The second question is how big is the problem? First of all, does it exist? And mm -hmm. if it exists, how big it is? Because that is basically decides how much you want to spend on solving it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you can also compare to that problem to other problems you're working on. So you can also prioritize. The third question is, okay, why does the problem exist? And the fourth question is, what alternative solutions do I have? And what's the best solution? How do I pursue that? that that's the essence of, with those questions, you can, you can basically address any type of problem you will ever experience okay now oh, yeah. <clears throat> some some of the facts i have after working with i don't know it it uh, by now it's probably five thousand five thousand five hundred leaders you know i've, I've seen over 100 organizations um i worked as an executive for myself you know a, a gazillion data i have i would say with some accuracy that about 80 percent of the problems that are addressed in a company are either non-existent or they are less important than the real problems, or they are addressed with the wrong type of approach or resources. Okay, ah. that's sort of a mind-blowing fact. And I can go to mm -hmm. stuff like you know big, humongous projects like taking data to the cloud, and and a company can spend five hundred million dollars in that. Okay, and then mm. they have problems with implementation, and I can then ask the people responsible. Okay, so take me through the business case for this. And they're like, what do you mean? I mean <laughs> what I say. Take me through the business case. Because if you don't have benefits identified for anything you do, how on earth are you going to make a plan to reap those benefits? You're, you're blind, okay? So, you know, right. I, you, so spice it up with something that basically you might not like what I say, but you cannot close your eyes, okay? You cannot shut your eyes to it, okay? This is a major problem. And then, of yeah. course, invite people into the conversation and say, so how is it, okay? If you look at the problems you're working on, okay, how many have you qualified the size of the problem, okay? And then in this case, also, I, I, I talk about, you know, what are the ramifications if you don't quantify the problem? Well, look at one of the biggest challenges in organizations collaboration between individuals okay now the mind operates on 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 big, one big influence principle which is a peak and rule which means that we evaluate anything that we experience based on its emotional high point 
and how the last observation we have. So in the relationship, let's say that you have worked with this person and you had had 50 interactions with that person, of which 48 has been neutral to okay, but two has been real meltdowns. Chances are that mm. you will evaluate that relationship as not being particularly good, okay? Sure. But but applying this, how big is the problem, you know? Then you all of a sudden you start to analyze and you realize, but listen, why, why, we have two meltdowns. You know, what's the end of the world? You know, it's not the end of the world, okay? 48 is good, do you understand? It's, it leads to a lot of, you know, good stuff. And, and this is how you can sort of drag people into this and even make it an existential importance to work with them. And, and most topics you can do that with. Mm. It's about building curiosity yes, in a yes, lot of ways. Yes. I and it's it's interesting to hear you you share some of these insights because they tie so naturally into a lot of what we know as the adult learning principles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what what goes into developing experiences that will resonate with adults, one of which, by mm -hmm. the way, is allowing people to feel a sense of ownership over their learning journey. And so by inviting people into a problem or a challenge encouraging them to be curious, encouraging them to have a say, to feel like they're part of mm -hmm. something. It's, I have to smile because it's such a natural way to begin, mm -hmm. but it also addresses a big challenge so many of us mm -hmm. have, which is facing these rooms, you know, in person or virtual mm -hmm. that have people who otherwise don't feel that mm -hmm. they will benefit mm -hmm. from being mm -hmm. there. No. I mean, it's, it's such a nice solution to that. I, I know, but, but, but I think that, uh, you remember in the, in the beginning, I said that what I've discovered over the years when I've, you know, hung out with, you know, neuroscientists and, and, and mm -hmm. brain health, you know, specialists is that, that this whole, this whole area of, uh, you know, cultivating your curiosity, always yeah. finding new aspects to old things and all these things, it is fundamentally extremely health bringing because what, what it makes it, it, yeah. it, if, if you, if you cultivate the ability to learn, because that's actually a skill in the brain. Okay. Yes. And you really, you really nurture that every day, learning something new about the person you work with or like experimenting, pers uh, pursuing a task in a slightly different way with this different result or whatever it is, whatever it is. doesn't have to be anything monumental. Okay. It could be tiny tweaks, whatever it is. You build something called cognitive reserve. And cognitive mm. reserve is basically, in, in layman terms, a much stronger brain. So should you withstand any type of, you know, brain damage, whether it's Alzheimer or whatever, okay, you, your brain will cope with that much better. And also mm. you will age much slower. So there's a lot of at stake for me as an individual. It's not for like the, the primarily for the benefit of the organization. It's for my own benefit. It's even so that personal professional learning and development is even more important than exercise. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, but, but, but this, it, 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 I think this is important that when I meet many grown-ups, it's, it's obvious to me they have lost the ability to learn. Okay. Uh, and that's sad. Yeah. That's sad. It, it's, uh, it, it's a, it is truly, mm. truly a, one of the challenges that mm. so many of us face, but in, in just an incredible number of strategies mm. to consider mm. and, yeah. frankly, some motivators for all of us to continue to be mm. curious about this. What also is sad 
is that we've come to that point where we ask the three questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're at rapid fire. Okay. The rapid fire okay. questions. Okay. But it's not sad because we still get more answers from mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of every episode, mm-hmm. we ask three rapid fire questions. They not that hard. Mm-hmm. Well, for some. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and they only require a, a 60 second response. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Awesome. Okay. So give us one book everyone must read and why. Uh, it is uh, the book uh, Creativity by my mentor, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Um, mm. and, and, the, and the reason for that is that in the book, he, he goes through some, some basics about, you know, the human condition in terms of the, what mm. our instructions that we have, you know, the instruction to expand, the instruction to actually conserve energy and to be lazy, which is super, super instruction, unfortunately, in us. And, and he also goes through, you know, what are the habits and the lifestyles of people that actually, you know, become highly creative and this is beyond pop psychology okay and and as you know as no surprise it involves a lot of hard work and a lot of attention and all these things okay so so that's a book it's just a mastery it's so rich i can read that book a hundred times and i still get new stuff out of it it's very 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 good book oh I love it. Yeah, I've read the the flow book, but I'm going to add that one to, uh, to my queue. You should. You Absolutely. Should. <laughs> so what is a one tool, and you can define that however you like, that you cannot live without? Well, I think the answer is very, very straightforward here. It's my brain. Mm, yeah. It's my brain. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, um, um, it's the most amazing tool that you have. Uh, unfortunately, its basic configuration is a pre, uh, is a little bit, you know, not that good. Uh, but if you start to reconfigure it to more serve your purpose instead of you being served by its purpose, which is to be lazy mm-hmm. and to save energy and to complain about stuff and blame others for <laughs> blah 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 blah, we are built like that. Okay? <laughs> it's a magnificent tool. Okay, but you have yeah. well, you have to understand yeah. it how it operates, and you have to understand that you so much in your life is governed by the primitive parts of the brain, the emotional mm-hmm. system, the motivational system, the fears, and all these things. So whenever you face something that is uncomfortable, you get all these gazillion excuses not to take it on. Okay. That yes. is actually not you thinking. That is your primitive brain. Okay. So when I get yeah. that, I get that as much as anyone else. I always say to myself, oh, now it's time to watch television. My old brain is trying to derail me. Okay. But I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to let it, you know, shatter away a bit. Okay. But then I'm going to pursue it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the best tool is your brain mm-hmm. when you are its master, not its yes. servant. Yes. Love it. Okay. So what is the final, well, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? It's from, uh, I got it from uh, a senior partner at McKinsey, uh, an amazing guy. And, and uh, he said to me, uh, when we talked about, you know, CEO counseling and all these things and whatever he said, Stefan, this is a good principle. A person that you meet should always have more energy after they have met you than they had before. Mm. Wow. That, that is profound. Imagine a society where everybody operated like that. 
Yeah. yeah. We would not have any more problems. Okay. Uh, nope. Change the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are awesome. Well, and I have to say, you know, as far as we're concerned, Stefan, in addition to us being thrilled that you were here with us today, I feel as though we are better for this virtual time that we have yes. spent and have more energy going into the rest of our days and frankly, the rest of our careers than we had before. Thank you so much for being here and for giving us so many great ideas and strategies and such important information. I think you have certainly changed the hearts and minds of a number of us today. Oh, thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. And I, and I, I really hope that, that something was helpful. I, I think without question, there was quite a bit that was helpful. And of course, a big thank you to all of us in our community for joining us today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need consultant services? The Metro DC chapter of ATD has many talented members. Go to dcatd.org and check out our consultants directory under the resources menu option. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on Volunteer to get started. 